The Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. My name is Bo McMillan, and it is my absolute pleasure to be your host for today. This is episode two in our infant series, and today we're going to be talking about positional pelagiocephaly and torticollis. Joining me today are Don Rothschild, advanced practice nurse in the Division of Plastic Surgery, and Amy Mishnick, level two physical therapist in the Division of Occupational and Physical Therapy. How are y'all doing today? Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great. Thank you. Okay, so plagiocephaly, and more specifically, positional plagiocephaly in babies. That is a big word. What does it mean? So it's very simple. Positional plagiocephaly, it occurs when an infant develops an asymmetric back flattening to their head. There's also another term called brachycephaly, which is the baby's head is symmetrically flat. And is this a a common condition? Uh, And and if so, how do parents, I mean, I'm guessing the parent is maybe one of the first ones to notice it. They're around their young child more than anyone else. What do they typically notice first? So it's very interesting. First of all, the condition is very common. In fact, according to the American Academy of Family Physicians, last year they published about the incidence about positional plagiocephaly is 50%. Um, And for parents, there are some parents that notice maybe like an ear is malaligned or they see some just flatness or abnormalities to the skull. Some parents do not notice it at all, and mm. they are alerted by their pediatrician. And when they do know, okay, so they, you know, some slight abnormalities. I'm sure that it can be easy for parents to overanalyze this kind of thing, especially you know we have this conversation, and you know maybe that's not something that people knew about offhand, and now they're suddenly going and looking at their kids. You know, what do they do if they suspect there could be something, but they're not sure? So usually that is a conversation for the pediatrician. And oftentimes, and what I want everybody to know is that positional plagiocephaly or brachycephaly, um, it's an aesthetic, meaning that the baby's head shape may be a little out of the norm, but it's not gonna affect their development. Um, It is something that we can fix if they want it fixed. Um, but even back flatness in some cultures, that's the norm, and they want it. So it is nothing to be alarmed about. It is something that is treatable and that we can help them with. That's excellent to hear. So hopefully that alleviates some potential anxieties there. Yes. So what causes plagiocephaly in babies? So there's a lot of factors. There could be the way the baby is lying um, intrauterine. There could be multiple gestation, and what that means is that uh, a parent could be pregnant with twins or triplets. Um, there can be um, some other birth defect going on where the baby has to lie in a specific position. They could have torticollis, which we're going to discuss a little bit. And what has really taken the boom and the hit of why plagiocephaly is so important is when the Back to Sleep campaign came into being. Mm. 
um, there's a, a lot of research on reducing the risk of SIDS or sudden infant death um, syndrome. And so they start, so the Academy, the American Academy of Pediatrics started having babies lay on their back. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you have an infant who has um, skull bones that are very soft and very um, pliable. And uh, they, they are growing along with the brain. So if you have the baby, a heavy like brain, laying on a very soft skull bone, in a lot of time doing that, you can get some flatness to the baby's mm. head. And so we try to have parents understand that it is back to sleep and tummy to play. So I, I, I've heard the term you know, tummy time, plenty of times. Is this the primary reason for that? Um, yeah, so we need to have supervised tummy time. Um, but parents are often very afraid by giving their babies tummy time that they are increasing the risk of SIDS. Mm. So they're very compliant. They're doing the right thing, but having the baby sleep flat on their back with nothing in the crib. Um, but... The next piece is when the baby's awake, they need a lot of playtime. Mm -hmm. So back to sleep, tummy to play. Exactly. So you mentioned torticollis. Let's get a little into that. What is that and how is it tied into this? So torticollis is when you have a head tilt to one side and then typically a rotational preference or a preference to turn your head to the opposite side. It can also be a preference to turn your head to the same side, but more typically it's a tilt to one side and a turn to the other side. And that ties in because um, when you have a preference to turn your head to one side, you're going to keep your head turned that way. And, and like with like Don said, when these babies have these heads that are so moldable, um, you're going to have more pressure on that one side of the head, and then you're going to develop that flatness on the one side. So that's how those two are tied together. It's also one of those like kind of a which came first, the chicken and the egg kind of thing. So if you have torticollis, you're going to be more likely to turn your head towards one side. Um, and then if you keep your head turned that way, you're going to develop more flatness there. When you have more flatness on that side, it's going to be harder than to turn your head to the opposite side, um, which is going to make it the torticollis even worse. Um, so if you had a, just a, a mild preference to turn your head to one side, it, it as you get the more flattening, it's going to make it even uh, more severe case of torticollis. So those two are very tightly tied together. Um, in fact, there's studies that show that up to 90% of the, the kids who have plagiocephaly also have torticollis. Wow, so these two things really are linked, which makes perfect sense based on the position and the, the preferred movement of the child. Um, so what are steps? We talked about tummy time a little bit, but what are other steps parents can take to prevent one of these conditions? So... Um, basically, when your baby is born, um, you do want to do multiple positions and make sure that they do have adequate time off the back of their head, whether you're holding them, whether you're giving them tummy time. Um, we tell families that to have the baby in the car seat when you travel, but to not let the baby sleep in the car seat or stay in the car seat. Um, and, uh, and what you need to know is that if they start seeing a, a flat spot before four months of age, doing a lot of 
uh, supervised time off the back of the head can resolve the situation. Hmm. And then they won't need to come to our, our clinic. We see babies starting at four months of age because if it is um, identified early or uh, the torticollis is identified early, um, basically that will help and prevent plagiocephaly or, um, or treat it and before we need to see them. So there can actually be treatment and prevention before a specialist would, would need to be seen. And that is because the brain is actively growing mm-hmm. and the skull bones, there are sutures in the skull bones, which is openings in the skull bones. And the brain is growing very fast. So if you have the baby off the back of the head as the, as the brain is growing, you can grow out of uh, the flatness. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they come for an evaluation, we look at sutures and we look at positioning of ears and we also look at how they move their neck um, to make sure everything is okay. Uh, there are sometimes other things than people think that are plagiocephaly, but they may not be. And, um, and that is why we do a full exam. And is that something like a, a pediatrician is also looking out for during a regular visit? I mean, is that something that they have their mind on when they see any given child? Absolutely. They sh- that is something that they're screening for. Um, and it's something that they can uh, give parents advice about. Uh, it's also something that they can uh, refer when needed. Uh, and that's a really important thing. Don talked about um, how there's things you can do to help um, prevent needing to see a specialist for plagiocephaly. Um, on the other hand, for torticollis, you're looking at um, not just this, you know, the, the plagiocephaly is the flat spot. The torticollis is a little bit more involved because you have this preference to turn in one direction and a tilt to one side, and that causes then a shortening of the muscles on one side of the neck and mm-hmm. an actual tightness of the muscles. So now you're looking at a musculoskeletal um, issue. Um, and research has shown that the sooner you start physical therapy for that, the faster you can get results and the more uh, likely you are to actually have full resolution of that. In fact, um, 98% of the time you can get full resolution if you can start physical therapy before the age of one month. Um, so if this is not, this is, if torticollis is not one of the things that you just want to take a wait and see yeah, yeah, yeah. approach for. And I think that that would probably be my biggest message is um, that a lot of times Parents are thinking, well, they can still turn their head to the other side, but you want to look and see, are they turning it as far? And are they turning it as often? And how hard is it to get them to turn their head to that side? And um, these little ones don't have a lot of head control, so it's normal for them to have their head tilted to one side. But take a look and maybe look back at your pictures and see, is it always tilted to the same side? Um, and, you know, because it should be, sometimes maybe it falls to one side and sometimes it falls to the other. It shouldn't always be to the same side. Um, so just be on the lookout for those things. And if you notice that, absolutely bring that up to your pediatrician um, and advocate for, for early services for the torticollis. I, that's so smart to go back and look through pictures because we know parents have no shortage of pictures of their babies. Absolutely. And so you're, you're basically, you know, collecting your own data as you go. But I think that's, that's a great thing to kind of look back historically. So plagiocephaly, you know, that's something to where if you notice something, 
there's some adjustments that you can make to not necessarily have to go in and, and see a specialist, but if it's torticollis, that is something you want to jump on right away. Would that be accurate? Yes. It's also a lot easier to treat. Um, when you treat it early, babies are a lot more open to the treatment, so mm-hmm. the stretches. It's a lot easier to stretch uh, you know, a four-week-old than it is to stretch a four-month-old or think about it, an eight-month-old. They are certainly not loving you yeah. doing the stretches at that point. It Absolutely. gets a lot harder. So if you can get started earlier and get done earlier, it's, that's a lot easier for everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great advice. So with plagiocephaly, then, you know, let's say parents notice something and, again, maybe they don't need to take action right away. But when did, when should they take action? What, what are some uh, maybe signs or symptoms to say, okay, I need to go see my pediatrician and potentially get in with a specialist? So we recommend seeing um, us um, or a specialist um, by four months of age because, again, if it's noted early, and they, um, you know, do more supervised tummy time or maybe have physical therapy, they may not need a specialist. But if they're four months of age and they're still concerned about head shape, that is the ideal age to get into a a specialist clinic. Um, That is at the time where um, sometimes they're concerned about the head shape, Mm -hmm. and then we notice that the child also has torticollis and is favoring one side or has a tilt. Um, so we refer back and forth to each other. But also at four months of age, parents may not have to commit to a helmet. Mm-hmm. So at four months of age, we have the opportunity to discuss what plagiocephaly is and we discuss what they do at home and then we discuss ways that they can increase tummy time and that, uh, you know, maybe their child falls asleep in the car seat or the swing, and that's, that's what they, they leave them there. And so we can discuss strategies, and then they can come back six weeks later, and we can reevaluate. Mm-hmm. But we have a baseline of how off they are. Like, we take measurements. Um, from like the right forehead to the left back of the head, the cr- crisscross, and and then the left forehead to the right back, and we get measurements. Zero to three millimeters is a normal head shape. It requires no treatment, okay? Three to 10 is, we say it's mild plagiocephaly, and we wouldn't recommend a helmet. Okay, if it's 10 millimeters and above, that's when we start discussing uh, the use of a helmet. And parents do not have to ever commit to a helmet if they just want advice to make sure that nothing is developmentally wrong with their child. Mm. So coming to a specialist to discuss a helmet uh, should be a calming appointment because we can reassure them that it's a choice if they want to uh, treat it with a helmet. Mm-hmm. We can treat it at that fourth month appointment if they're very upset about how the baby's head looks, or we can give them six weeks to uh, try different things at home. And we know that the baby's head is still growing very rapidly so that that baby can grow out of it again. 
Yeah, so it, it's not necessarily just because you have this diagnosis doesn't mean you have to commit to the helmet. No. When it comes to torticollis, you mentioned physical therapy. What other kinds of treatments are there? For torticollis? Mm -hmm. um, so physical therapy is um, a, considered like a conservative mm -hmm. treatment for torticollis. That's the, the, the first step and hopefully the only step you would have to take. Um, it, there are other treatments for it if that doesn't resolve it. Um, there's there's first-line treatments actually for physical therapy, which are things like stretching, and strengthening exercises. So um, that's probably the first thing to talk about is that there's different levels that, of things that we would do in physical therapy. And the first thing is talking about repositioning. Um, uh, like Don had talked about, the same way that we're talking about taking that pressure off the flat spot, we're talking about repositioning and encouraging your infant to look to the side that they don't prefer. Um, and then we're talking about changing things in the environment. So if they always like to look to the left, Everything goes on the right. Hmm, yeah, Everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, siblings, uh, the television, the you know anything entertaining, toys always then would go on the right side. Um, and then it's also teaching parents how to do stretches um, because you typically have um, a tight muscle um, on the side of the tilt, and we show parents how to do the stretches to stretch that muscle out, and that is the first line of, of treatment with that. Um, also, you get the tightness on the one side, and then you get a weakness on the opposite side. So mm -hmm. as the infant gets older um, and they start to hold their head up, you've got to actually strengthen the opposite side that's weak. Um, so that's another thing that we do in, um, in physical therapy. If those things um, are not enough, then we have some secondary things. We can use some kinesio taping. Um, we can use some manual therapy. If physical therapy is not enough, then there are surgical releases. Um, and we, you know, that's more rare. Mm. And um, they don't typically do those, you know, here at Cincinnati Children's. They won't do those until um, kids are more like five to seven years old. Um, there are some doctors that do um, some Botox injections um, to if they feel like there is some spasticity in that muscle, which is not typical either. Um, but those are the, the main things to treat torticollis. And I, I wonder as you both see patients coming in and, and they have parents, especially with something that can be so cosmetically driven. Do you ever see guilt from your uh, parents? And if so, how do you talk them through that? I see a lot of guilt and I tell them to not have any guilt, um, especially if their baby is sleeping 12 hours a night, you do not wake up a sleeping baby. So that they have done nothing wrong. They're following the American Academy of Pediatrics of safe sleep and that this is something that they should not at all feel guilty about. And the fact that they're even like come to this clinic to have a discussion is they're advocating for their child. Mm -hmm. So they should find no guilt associated with it at all. Oftentimes also when they do have um, a big discrepancy, they have they do have torticollis and that has not been picked up yet. So the whole reason that they have this big discrepancy in their head shape and a flatness um, is due to the fact that their baby has limited range of motion with their neck yeah. and they need to see the physical therapist. Yeah. And with um, torticollis, 
they can, we can see an ear shift and we can see a little bit of a facial shift as well. And that kind of gives us the idea that there is some limited range of motion that is pushing on their cranial base. Yeah, same thing for torticollis, you know, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that I hear is, gosh, I wish we had gotten in sooner, or, you know, I kind of noticed this, but everyone was like, oh, just, it'll resolve on its own, or just wait and see, let's see if it gets better. Um, and and the same as what Donna said, it's like, you're here now, this is great, you're in the right place, you know, we, we gotcha, and you know, we're gonna go from here, and, and you didn't cause this, uh, you know, the, we, there is no definitive cause for torticollis. There are risk factors, and, and none of them are anything that parents can control. It's you know the firstborn, uh, because there's just not as much room. You're, you're smushed in there. <laughs> um, multiple birth, uh, especially baby A, who's on the bottom and gets smushed uh, if they're longer in length. Uh, if you have to use forceps for delivery, um, so these are things that parents can't control. Uh, it's not your fault, <laughs> and and go from here. And it's we, you know we have things that we can do to help, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> I I love the concept so much about you know if parents are seeing the two of you, they're advocating for your child. They're Absolutely. they've taken the right steps, and I just love that approach, especially in comforting them for, you know, not just this but any condition that a child may have. I think that's great. I want to go back to treatment for a little bit and, and specifically talk about the time frame of some of these treatments. So you had mentioned uh, helmets. Yes. If that is the route that you would suggest uh, a parent to go, how long would a child typically have to wear a helmet? Is it different per child? What does that look like? So, um, so the brain is growing very fast from zero till about eight months. And then, and so when you're getting the brain growth is when you have a good opportunity to change the shape of the head. And then once you're getting to eight months, the brain growth is slowing down and it kind of levels off by their first birthday. Okay, so we don't really recommend helmets 11, 10, 11, 12 months, um, unless it's, you know, we're, going to really try or the baby was preterm and we go to the gestation. Um, but usually if a baby has a 10 to 15 millimeter discrepancy, if they're in our clinic by four months and they want to go for the helmet at four months, they're usually in the helmet about three to four months. If they're older with a bigger discrepancy, they're in the helmet longer. Mm. Uh, now, another thing I want to uh, just talk about is just symmetric back flatness, mm. okay? Because we get a lot of babies who are symmetrically back flat, and they want the baby's head shape to be more elongated. We can treat for brachycephaly the back flatness. The helmets work, but not as well mm. as if they have positional plagiocephaly. So when parents come to discuss um, brachycephaly, which is symmetric back flatness, um, I do consult them about we can treat it and you'll get some result, but it may not be as perfect as if your baby was just asymmetric. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. With torticollis, so we talked about catching that early and starting treatment early as being so critical. Um, if, let's say, a, a child goes through that early age, goes through physical therapy, whatever they need, and then resolves that condition, can that then reoccur? Or is the condition typically resolved for good at that point? Uh, you know, that's 
<laughs> that's an interesting question because it, it doesn't technically recur. It's more that it wasn't completely resolved in the first place. Um, once the child is walking um, and, you know, they're you, it's resolved at that point, you're pretty good to go. But up until that point, you have a lot going on. Um, they're growing. Um, when they go through the growth spurt, that neck can get tighter again. Like those muscles are not growing quite as fast um, as the, the, the rest of the body to keep up with. Um, and they're learning new motor skills. And they're, they, sometimes they get sick. Sometimes they're teething. So there's times where it feels like you're taking one step forward and two steps back with torticollis. Um, one of the big things we um, look at is if we have met the goals for physical therapy for torticollis, where they're looking equally in both directions, they don't have a head tilt, um, you know, they're equally strong, and but they're not sitting yet. We, we don't say, oh, you have to keep coming to BT, but we also say, come back when they're sitting, because it's a whole nother ball game. Uh, now you have to hold your head up against gravity. Uh, it's asking a lot more, and that's sometimes when we start to see um, a head tilt kind of come back uh, where it wasn't as obvious when they were laying down because they didn't have to hold their head up against gravity and now they're sitting. And that's when we also start to see some asymmetries possibly form throughout the rest of the body. So it starts at the neck, but if you are tilting your head to the side, it can you can start to kind of lean over to the side with yeah, your body. And then, you know, you're kind of lifting one leg up more and then you use one leg more than the other. And before you know it, you've got an asymmetry through the whole body. Um, and that's what we want to prevent. So a lot of times if we can see them right as they're starting to sit, we can see the beginnings of those asymmetries through the whole body, and we can get on top of that and proactively um, prevent those things. Um, same thing um, where before they're walking, um, as they start to walk, uh, we want to check back in as well. So even if they feel like, you know, it's resolved before then, we recommend, and that's what, um, you know, the whole um, national recommendation is, is to come back when you're walking, just to make sure um, that that hasn't it hasn't gotten tight again that um, with these new motor skills that you haven't tried to pull that they haven't tried to rely on that tight muscle again and, and kind of tighten back up but usually once you are walking the child is walking um, and the things have, everything is resolved it's not something you have to worry about it's going to come back like when they're 10 years old suddenly okay oh, torticollis again yeah that if it's it's resolved by the time they're walking then you should be good to go so you're kind of looking at those physical milestones sitting up yes. by yourself walking that kind of stuff and then typically you're safe from there Yes. And, it, and again, I, you know, I think it's important for parents to know as they go through this that it, it, there are times where you're going to have a great day and it's going to look great. And then you're, you're, if your child is teething, uh, if they're sick, if they uh, are going through a growth spurt or when they're learning that new motor skill, skill you may notice that that tilt comes back or that preference to, to turn in one direction. And, and hopefully it's only for you know, 10 to 14 days. Um, and a lot of times you're still you know, working with a physical therapist, you can say, okay, well, let's, let's do those stretches a little bit more right now, or let's start this strengthening exercise again, um, and then get that resolved again. But it's, it's not unusual. So I wouldn't want parents to worry if they're in treatment. Sometimes parents are like, oh my gosh, I'm doing everything. And it was getting better. And now look, and it's like, okay, it's all right. This is not atypical. It's going to be fine. You know, just keep, stay the course. <laughs> I, I love anything that can help uh, with anxiety. So that's good to yes. know. <laughs> Um, one of my favorite things to do on this podcast is dispel misconceptions about any kind of condition. So I'd like to do that. I'm certain with these two, there are probably plenty. Anything that you want to highlight? Um, so when people come to our clinic, 
parents are very nervous because they hear that with the head shape, um, their baby is going to have hearing loss. They may have visual loss. They may have developmental delay. They, their jaw is going to be malaligned. And they are so nervous. Um, now, we can see some facial differences. That goes along with the torticollis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they develop plagiocephaly as well. But all of that, for the most part, can be resolved and goes away on its own. We cannot effectively change where the ear ear position may lie. So I tell them that um, just if they wear glasses, they may need to have their glasses um, adjusted a little differently. But none of these other um, medical concerns uh, are prevalent with plagiocephaly and torticollis. I, I will make a note, though, of the vision. Um, there can be what's called an ocular torticollis, and so sometimes uh, patients can have torticollis because they have a vision abnormality. Hmm. So we screen for that in our clinic. And sometimes it's, again, the chicken and the egg. Was it the torticollis that caused the vision abnormality, or was it the vision abnormality that caused the torticollis? And, and just to, to clarify with that, so you mean maybe they don't see out of one eye as well, and so they tend to compensate by looking in that direction, and, and that strengthening the muscles on one side and loosening them on the other? Is that? And they're developing their vis- their vision and if they're developing their vision with a tilt, mm, they yep. may try, they're developing their vision kind of in an abnormal alignment. So um, we screen for all of that. Um, have you, have you um, treated people with ocular torticollis? Yes, yeah, so from the, uh, when that is one of the screenings, we do a, multiple screenings when kids come in for torticollis and we're making sure um, that it's a true, what's called actually congenital muscular torticollis. So torticollis is when you have a head tilt and a preference to turn one direction. Congenital muscular torticollis is what we're really talking about today, which is with infants, um, and it's that muscular cause. There are multiple causes of torticollis, um, so we're ruling out uh, those other things, doing a differential diagnosis is what you know you would call it from a medical standpoint. We're making sure it's not an ocular torticollis. Mm-hmm. It's not because there is a muscle imbalance um, of, in the eye. Um, we're making sure that it's not something because there's a, um, a different muscle tone issue, in which case then we would you know um, recommend a referral to a different specialist, making sure that um, the cause of that is like it's not a sudden onset torticollis is congenital muscular torticollis, which is what we're talking about. Um, That's typically at birth or shortly after birth. It's not something that just suddenly comes on at age eight months. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So that would be a red flag um, if you see something like that. Um, Things like um, if you could, so for ocular torticollis, if you cover the one eye, actually, um, a lot of times that head tilt will go away. Um, so there's like little screens that we can kind of yeah. do, yeah, just to make sure that what we're really looking at is truly like this congenital muscular torticollis. There's, there's one more thing I want to dispel. Please, please. Um, so we know that when people get nervous medically, they go on Google and search engines 
Okay, so... Probably the worst thing you could possibly <laughs> do, right? Exactly, exactly. So many um, patients come in concerned about what is called craniosynostosis, and that is when one of the skull bones um, are fused, prematurely fused, okay? Um, and that we screen for, okay? And we, we would be going down a different specialist path if they come into our office and it is not positional plagiocephaly. But a lot of times they do come in with the concerns that there could be a fused skull bone. And we are able to, the majority of time, um, reassure them that this is just positional plagiocephaly and they're good. Just more of that reassurance. That's great to hear. Exactly. Um, and on, uh, from the torticollis standpoint, our misconceptions, I think one of the big ones is what we've talked about where take a wait-and-see approach or, yeah. <laughs> like, this is going to resolve on its own. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest one is uh, that I would love to address is if you notice that, um, go ahead and, and really advocate to get into to physical therapy um, as soon as possible. Uh, I think I've, I've heard also, like, well, I thought it was just normal, like, that babies just prefer mm, yeah. to look one way or the other or you know one of the things parents notice is um, that can be a sign of torticollis is if they prefer to use one hand more than the other baby should not have a hand preference oh interesting yeah. okay so as adults obviously <laughs> that happens but as a, a child they're using both hands then. yes at that age yes infants should not so if they do have a hand preference it's usually because they're preferring to turn like if you are always looking at the right side you're just going to see that right hand. Um, and because of this, some infant reflexes, that hand is typically out there more as well. So, yeah, um, yes, so that's the another thing. Or if they're having trouble feeding um, from one side or the other, that can be another clue um, it, that they just, it's because they can't turn their head that way. So some of those things are, that's not typical. <laughs> so I think that's important to talk about. Um, I think the other thing would be that um, I, I would want parents to know that they are not hurting their baby by doing stretches. So I think mm -hmm. that's another big thing. Um, and then even just asking, you know, trying to get their baby to turn their, their head the other way. If their baby cries you know, when they turn their head that way, I, I kind of say, you know, certainly the baby can't tell us how they're feeling at that age, but it's kind of like when we have a stiff neck and you're like, ooh, it kind of hurts to turn it that mm -hmm. way, but I know I got to kind of work it out. Well, babies are like, oh, it kind of hurts to turn it that way. I am never turning my head that way again. <laughs> and so we just have to, to help guide them through that and be like, we, we do need to turn our head that way <laughs> sometimes, but we're not hurting them. It's, you know, it is a stretch and just like you would have stretch your hamstring. It's maybe a little uncomfortable, but it, it's not actually, you know, hurting yeah. them to do the stretches. That's great advice because obviously that's the last thing any parent wants to do. Exactly. Yes. And when the communication is difficult, you you may never know. So I think that's very helpful. Thank you both so much for being here today. This uh, was just so incredibly informative. And I think it's so fascinating when you have two different conditions that are so tied to each other, but, you know, really have different approaches to what, what parents should do. And I think that you very clearly outlined uh, what to do, when to wait, when not to wait. And, uh, yeah, we just thank you so much for being here, and uh, I hope you get to come back on sometime soon, and, and we'll talk more. We would love that. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. This episode was recorded on June 29th, 2023. The content of the Young and Healthy podcast is for informational and educational purposes. 
Our theme music was created by Stephen Rico. This episode was produced by Kayla McNeil and Symphony Fair Harris. Thanks for listening. Follow Cincinnati Children's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.